You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. For those of you who have been here for the last few weeks, you'll remember we're in a three-part series where we're looking at some of the major questions, some of the big questions of life. Uh, two weeks ago, we looked at, and we're looking at two questions each week. Two weeks ago, you remember what we talked about? Why do bad things happen to good people? And why does God not answer my prayers? And we started with the easy questions first and thought we'd get those out of the way. Um, last week, what happens when I die and what will heaven be like? And this week, today, we're answering two questions. How do I hear from God and how do I make wise God-honoring decisions? They are very similar questions, but they are distinctly different. And we'll, we'll talk about what makes them different uh, here as we, we move through this uh, this morning. Um, there are, you know, and for all of these questions, you know, I've, I've said we cannot do a deep dive in any one of them. Time does not allow us to do that. What we can do is provide some context. How do we want to think about these questions? You know, what's the framework in which we should evaluate them? And specifically, what does the Bible say about them? Our culture has a lot out there about what, what some of the answers might be based upon a number of different worldviews, a number of different paradigms. But we want to look at specifically what does the Bible say. So in this idea of how do we hear from God or how do we, yeah, how do we hear from God, even the Bible is not always, it's clear, but it's not, it's not the same. Now, there's some instances in the Bible where the experience where God speaking to them was unmistakable. There was no, no denying what was happening. In the Old Testament, uh, a great example is Moses. When God spoke to him in Exodus 3, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Notice, okay, notice there's three different nouns there. There's an angel, there's flames of fire, and a bush. All three of those... I still have questions as to what that looked like. I mean, how, you know, was the angel in the fire? Was the voice coming? You know, what? But there's no, there's no mistake in the fact that God was speaking to Moses. Moses didn't, you know, wasn't wondering, hmm, I wonder if someone's speaking to me. There's something very specific there. In the New Testament, a great example of this is Saul. On his way to actually persecute Christians um, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 9, and as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Again, I have questions as to, you know, was that an audible voice they heard because of the, the, pers- the people with him, it doesn't say that they heard the specifics of the voice. So what did that hear? But the reality is, in Paul's mind, there was no mistaking that this was a moment. This was a God moment, a divine encounter, something that was unmistakable there. So we have a number of those types of things, situations and circumstances in the Bible. Sometimes, however, the experience of hearing from God is more intuitive, it's less overt and it's less distinct. Um, it talks about quite often the idea of having visions. And uh, in Acts chapter 9, actually the same verse when Paul, just a little further on, when Paul had his encounter and uh, he became blind, in, that, in, in, in verse 10, in Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, and Ananias answered, Yes, Lord. 
So, and they, they, actually, they actually carry on this conversation within the context of a vision. Again, I, it's like, was he awake? Was he asleep? You know, I, you know there's, there's still in my mind as to what that actually looked like. But clearly in, in the idea, for, from the perspective of Ananias, he was engaging God within this moment. Some, so we have the idea of visions. We also have this idea of dreams, which are distinctly different from uh, visions. But a great example of a dream is uh, in Matthew chapter 1, when the angel came to Joseph about, you know, should he marry, should he uh, continue his engagement to Mary? But after, and so as he's contemplating this, it says, but after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. And then he actually provides other instructions for Joseph. And then in verse 24, it says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. So very clearly he was asleep within that. And in his dream, there was this conversation going on there as well. So again, this is very different than the burning bush or the divine encounter that, that Paul had. But again, there's this sense of God was speaking to them and they clearly understood it to be the voice of God. And then there's times, there's a third group. There's times in the Bible where we really don't know what it looked like. Um, Abram, in Genesis chapter uh, 12, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. We're not told how that was communicated. Whether that was an overt, audible voice, was it a dream, a vision, we really don't have any sense, but clearly... Um, Abraham sensed that the voice of God was instructing him to do that. In the book of Jonah, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Again, just says that the voice of the Lord came to him. We're not really sure what that looked like. So in these instances, I find myself asking, what, you know, what did that look like? And how did they know, how did they know it was God actually speaking to them? See, the idea that God continues to speak to his people is a central part of our theological beliefs. And yet for some Christ followers, hearing from God is not a part of their faith experience. Now, I've never had an experience like Moses or Saul. I've never heard an audible voice. Uh, I've never had that kind of an experience. Um, I have had, on two occasions, I've had a dream that I understood to have spiritual um, implications and um, direct a uh, specific practical application to them. Um, two different situations in my life. Most of the time, however, I find myself in this third group and I'm trying to discern what it is I should do. I've discovered that for many of us, our challenge is not necessarily hearing the voice of God. It's trying to distinguish between our, the voice of God and our own voice in our head. So, how does one hear from God, or how does one make that distinction? A few things. Uh, one, we need to ask. It seems kind of obvious. Um, you have not because you ask not. There's been a couple times the past few months where I've gone to Betsy and you know, I kind of said I'm struggling with this decision and I go through all the nuances as to here are the pros and cons of this and here are the pros and cons of that. And I'm laying all the complexities out to all this and you know, she patiently listens and you know, I'm done 
you know, I'm kind of creating this maze of my process. She, she goes, uh, did you pray about it? Um, no. <laughs> um, well, do you think maybe you should? Okay. Um, I hate those conversations. <laughs> but some of us do not hear from God because we just forget to ask. You know, we're so busy, uh, you know, all right, here we're, we're, we're trying to fix it. We're trying to work through it. The pro, for me, I'm a, big, I'm a big pros and cons list kind of thing. I weigh through the different options. And we're trying to, th- and we actually don't even bother to say, God, do you have any say in this? Do you have any ideas or suggestions here? Or if we do ask, it's one of these fleeting, God, what should I do? And then we go right back to doing what we think we ought to do. And we're just, we just... You know, we might go through the motions of asking, but we're not really paying attention. See, here's the thing. When we actually pray and ask God for input, it puts us in a posture of expectation. It puts us in this posture of expectation. Prayer is God's means of getting through to us. As we pray, God takes our focus off our needs and puts our focus on his love and his power Through prayer, God changes our perspective to conform to his purposes. The way I I put it is is what happens is our spiritual antenna gets tuned to a different frequency. Asking through prayer helps us get out of our own way and positions us to actually hear from God. So asking is the first step in how we hear from God. Second is to listen. He who forms the mountains and creates the wind and who reveals his thoughts to mankind, the Lord God Almighty is his name. I love this. That he reveals his thoughts to mankind. God, sometimes I believe God desires to share his thoughts with us more than we're ready and willing to listen. Um, and so I just, I just love this idea that that's God's posture towards us, is that there's a willingness, a desire to communicate with us. Here's the thing, though. We've got so much activity and noise in our lives, we, we more often than not can miss it. We need to be active listeners. Some of you have been in communication classes and talk about like the individual, you know, interpersonal communication, this idea of actively listening. Um, that's, you know, I have to make a joke there about husbands and wives, but I'll keep moving. Um, <laughs> as we listen, we will hear God speak to us. Now, God can speak to us th- through a number of different ways. One is through Scripture. God will speak to us through Scripture. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Sometimes you're reading a passage, and there's something about it, and you may have read it dozens of times before, but just something at that moment, it comes alive to you in a new way. Even though it was written more than 2,000 years ago, as you read it, there's something in there, there's a voice inside you that says, this is for you today. This is for you. And we can make that application. Let me, let me caution you, though. This comes out of a consistent time in the Word. This idea of, I'm just going to open my Bible, wherever it lands, and point to it. 
uh, n- well, I can't say never. You know, I never want to be never. Rarely, if ever, works. Usually, you end up on a passage like Matthew 27, 5. I'll just wait for you who have phones who are going to look that up really quick. <laughs> it's talking about Judas, and he went away and hanged himself. Um, is where that answers. So, but God will speak to us through Scripture. As we're reading the Bible, there's something, somebody, whether it's, you know, reading about David and how he engaged the problem, or, or maybe there's a letter from one of Paul's letters where he's instructing Christians as to how to approach a situation or how we should think about something. And the Holy Spirit prompts our own heart, our own minds, that this, this fits. This is what you need to apply to, that, to your own situation. So God will speak to us through Scripture. God will also speak to our minds. I love this from Second Chronicles, Chronicles 6. And Solomon is actually writing and talking here. He says, My father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. Catch that? It was in David's heart to do this. One of my favorite stories in, in, the, in the New Testament, actually in all the Bible, is in Matthew 14, where Peter walks on the water. And you, so I may have shared this before, because this, this, this was a life-transforming recognition for me. Where Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come out to you on the water. Here's what changed my whole mind. This was Peter's idea. If the story plays out, Jesus just gets in the boat, and they continue on their way, and nothing ever happens. This idea of hey, I think it would be cool to walk on water, originated in Peter's mind and in his own heart. Why is that important? Because sometimes the idea to do something is a function of the creativity that God has given us. It's a function of the fact that we're made in his image. For me, this idea of being made in God's image is the ability to create. It's the ability to have ideas and to actually see something that isn't yet there and make, take steps in that direction. If you are made in the image of God, you have the capacity to create, to have ideas, to dream dreams. And sometimes by virtue of the fact of you doing what God created you and you're behaving in the way God created you and wired you, you're actually walking in God's will. And so he'll put sometimes those thoughts are in our mind. So don't be quick to discredit those thoughts. It might be, in fact, your own thought, but that doesn't mean it's any less significant or it's even less divine. You know, the question I have to ask is, what dream or what idea has God put into your heart? So, God will speak to us through Scripture, God will speak to our minds, and God will speak to us through other people. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas, they just, you know, they're, they're doing freed from jail. They remember the earthquake and they were set free and the jailer's, you know, freaking out because he realized if, if the prisoner escape, he's dead. He gets, he's held accountable for their escape. And, and uh, Paul and Silas said, no, we're here. Don't worry about it. And his response was, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas then talked to them about, spoke to them the word of the Lord and all others in their house. And so God will use other people to speak to us, to bring us life, to bring us a sense of divine and godly perspective. Here's the thing. Sometimes the divine can have a very human look to it. If you're married, quite often God will speak to you through your spouse. 
Sometimes the voice of God has an accent. In our most recent life change decision, God, we sensed God was speaking to us through someone who had a kind of a slight Arkansas accent. <laughs> the look, the, 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 the look if, you would, if you were for me to describe it, has a very human, very natural appearance to it. But as we process this, we begin to sense this is more than just human interaction, more than human thinking or planning. There's something behind this that we sense God is doing. Don't discredit that. Sometimes we say, oh, it's just me. Or it's, you know, and because we can logically explain the process, we think it's not of God. God uses very logical. It's not always the, this thing that's, you know, crazy stuff that we see in something in the Bible. Sometimes it's very logical, very specific that God will speak to us. Okay. So we've this whole idea of, of ask, the idea of listen. And lastly, we can hear God's voice by observing. Observe. I applied my heart to what I observed and learned a lesson from what I saw. God will sometimes speak to us through circumstances. And sometimes those experiences are not pleasant. Sometimes God will create a discontent in our life in order for us to be open to change. There's been times in my life where circumstances happened that... um, uh, I, I just I give an example. When we were in Connecticut, we had a senior pastor change. New new senior pastor came in. Nothing wrong. There was no misbehavior. There was no, it just wasn't the same for us. Um, and there, and which is common in a lot of organizations. When senior leadership arrives, there's quite often turnover, just because the the circumstances in which you were hired and which you've learned to operate change, and it just doesn't feel right anymore. As we began to process that, what does that mean to look like? We just sense that God we had created in sense of this season of discontent so that the idea of actually changing, we're really open to. And so otherwise, if you don't have that discontent, you're not paying attention. You're just kind of cruising along and you're focused on what you're doing. And sometimes it's that discontent, that, unsat- that dissatisfaction that, a lot, that causes us to say, God, what else is out there? What else might you be saying? What might you be doing that allows us to hear what he's actually trying to say to us? Now, let me put out this caution. Good circumstances do not always equal God's approval. Okay? And you've heard this a lot. Everything worked out. Everything was great. Everything is perfect. God was in it. Okay? Does that mean if things... I know some of our what decisions we made. When we first went out to Southern California for me to go to grad school, there was no question in our mind that this was God's leading. That first semester was right out of hell. The things that happened were terrible. And if, I mean, to the point where do we need to go home because this just isn't working. So circumstances don't all, good circumstances don't always equal God's approval. Bad circumstances don't always equal God's disapproval. All right. You know, you, you ask Stephen and some of these others in the New Testament who lost their lives for their faith. Were they in God's will? Was God approving of that? Well, absolutely. But their circumstances were not necessarily desirable. You know, so that's where it comes, we have to be really careful about how we evaluate circumstances. Do they help us process things? Absolutely. 
Um, and I think that's important. I think we need to pay attention to those. When we ask, when we listen and observe, and we believe we have a sense for God's direction, it's also always good to get confirmation from others. There's great wisdom in allowing spiritually mature Christ followers the opportunity to give input into those things that God might speak to us. And I'm going to speak to this actually a little more fully here in just, just a moment. But let, let, me, let, me actually say, let me actually interject something. What do we do when God's silent? Let's just say we've asked for God's direction. We've listened. We've observed. And we're trying to do this, and we don't get an answer. A few thoughts. Um, we see Paul in a similar situation like this in Second Corinthians. He refers to it as thorn in the flesh. And his, his, where he ended up was that, you know what? This isn't changing. This isn't leaving. I've got to make the best of it. And he understood that, that God was going to use this actually for good. And so the circumstances didn't change. He had to come to terms with what that meant and how God might actually benefit from that. Second thing about when we're waiting, we're trying to, when God just seems silent and we're not sure, and I, I believe I shared this actually in the, the question, what do we do when God doesn't answer our prayer? It's, this, it's a, a section of the book from Ben Patterson, Waiting. Um, there's a subtitle, and I can never remember what it is. What to do when God seems quiet, I think is how it is. But, and I know I've shared this with you in the past, but just as important as what we wait for is what we become while we wait. And so using that time when God seems silent. <clears throat> but here's the thing. Sometimes we have to make a decision, and we haven't yet heard from God. And we don't have a strong sense of what direction we should be taking. You've been offered a job that will require you to move across country, uproot your family and things. And it's much better pay. It's in the career path you want to go and all this. And they need an answer in 24 hours. You've been praying about this for a week. They offered, they've given you a week, and now you've got, you've got to make a decision by tomorrow, and you don't have a sense for what to do. What do you do? And that actually is my segue to the second question. How do you make wise, God-honoring decisions? <clears throat> the logical first step is to listen for the voice of God. I've just covered some of that, so we're not going to repeat that. Um, I don't need to address it again. However, I do think it's important to point out that hearing the voice of God and making a wise God-honoring decision are not the same thing. You can hear from God and still make a bad decision. Examples for this are, are, are in the Bible. Abraham, I'm going to give you, I'm going to bless you with you know, uh, uh, offspring and, and you know, they'll be as great as the sands, and Sarah is going to be the one. And so he clearly heard from God. There's no mistake in that. But what did he do? He got impatient. You know, and all right. He'd been waiting by, by that point in time about eight to ten years. Well, maybe it's Hagar, the handmaid, which was culturally appropriate, legal. There was nothing immoral or wrong about it. It just wasn't. He just got, he just got ahead of what God was wanting. We see the same thing with Moses. Moses, after we, God spoke to him in that burning bush, what does he do? He ends up killing that Egyptian um, soldier because he was mistreating one of the Israelites, and he was trying to enact his plan prematurely. So sometimes God might speak to us, and we have clarity, and we, have, we know what the answer is, but sometimes 
we do not implement it correctly. So even when we feel we've heard from God, we still need to ask ourselves, what is the wise thing to do? How do I go about applying this and making this become a reality? So after we've listened to the voice of God, another step in making wise decisions is to recognize the cumulative effect of your decisions. Every moral or ethical failure is preceded by a series of unwise decisions. You think about what you see in the news, in the media, whether it's an unethical behavior by an, uh, a corporate leader. That wasn't a one-off situation. They've made a series of bad choices that put them in that position where that decision was made. You think of, of some of our religious leaders who have had a moral failure. That wasn't just a one-off situation that came out of the blue. They had been making series of decisions and choices that put them in that position to have that failure. Let me say it this way. If, because you want to justify an action, you ever find yourself asking the question, what's wrong with 99 times out of 100, it's not a wise decision. If you're trying to find all the reason why it's not wrong, it's not wise. Now, it may not be illegal. It may not even be immoral. It's just not wise. Now, let me, let me, let me, <laughs> you know me. There's a, if it's an honest question, what is wrong with that? I'm not, I'm not saying you can't ask questions. I'm always asking questions. But it's a question because I want information, not because I wanted to justify it. There's a big difference. So if you're asking what's wrong with this, and it's a little bit, you know, where God, is, is this a wrong decision? I think that's a fair question to ask. If you're asking it because you're wanting to somehow find a way to get through it and, and to do it, that's when your antennas and your alarms and, and lights should be flashing in your mind that this is not the path you want to go down. Similarly, so that's making bad choices, but similarly, consistent, wise, God-honoring decisions also make future decisions much easier. If you're faithful in little things, you'll be faithful in large ones. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So, and lastly, number three, um, or the third way that we can uh, make wise God-honoring decisions is to seek wise counsel. Early in uh, my ministry career, uh, this goes back, I think at this point, Betsy was pregnant with our first. So this goes back uh, 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 quite a few years. Uh, we're facing a big decision. We flew all the way from Pittsburgh to Los Angeles to meet with one person, uh, an individual, just to ask a single question for 15 minutes. We had a 15-minute meeting with this individual. Just ask the question, if you were in my shoes, what would you do? Now, here's the thing. Their answer I expected but the rationale for it was like, okay, that, makes, that, that for me just connected a lot of dots. <clears throat> and so that cost involved and all the time expense to ask that one question changed the direction of our life. So getting input from others matters. <clears throat> um, seven years ago, maybe, you know, we moved from Connecticut to Charlotte. And... What was prompting a lot of that was, was Betsy's desire to be near her, her, her parents, especially her dad. Um, his health was beginning to fail. 
And we had never lived, actually we did live near them for a couple of years when we first got married and she's been apart and there was just something in her that was starting to be near them. And, but that came about not just because we just made this decision right then and there. There was a series of things that happened. I had just read two different books. Uh, one was The Barbarian Way by Erwin McManus. And the other one was, uh, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat by uh, John Ortberg. Changed, again, my, my whole way of thinking of a lot of things. <laughs> At those, after reading those two books, I was ready to do anything, anytime, anywhere. Just, you know, let's go for it. And uh, so that was it. So because I read that, when Betsy came to me shortly thereafter and saying, hey, I'm just, I'm struggling with this, I said, let's put our house on the market and see what happens. Okay? Um, that led to us in, in a de- very, very much a down market. This was not, so I felt I was pretty safe um, that this was uh, not going to happen. So, but I got bonus points because I suggested it, you know, so that was good. Uh, I had spiritual equity then, uh, if, we can, if there's such a thing. And we began to talk to leaders at church, you know, friends and family, you know, waiting for someone to say, hey, uh, this is a very terrible economy for you to quit your jobs and move down there. Housing market's bad. You know, just no one said this was a bad idea. There was even, I bet she was on a flight somewhere and even talking to the person sitting next to her and said, yeah, you guys need to do this. <laughs> you know, and so everyone said this was the right. So we're getting all this positive feedback. Again, we're quitting our jobs in a bad economy, selling our house in a down market, moving to another part of the country without any knowledge for what happens to us when we get there. You know, and, and we say, and you still think this is a good idea? Yes. Um, and then we were offered a place to stay, you know, if we, if we here on Lake, actually uh, on Lake Norman in Denver, right on the lake. And I said, if you don't, if you don't, if your house sells before you get jobs, Come stay here. Come stay at this place and continue your job search then. We got an offer in the house that night. Um, so at that point, you know, we've been praying about this. We've been asking God for his direction. We've been asking input from other people. Circumstances all just kind of seem to be aligning. And so we just said, all right, here we go. And uh, here we are. And... Uh, but any one of those things in and of themselves wouldn't have been enough to make the make us make the decision. There was our, what was happening in our own heart, what I had been reading, what Betsy had been feeling, what um, the circumstances that we were, we were dealing with, some of the, the family uh, circumstances as well. Uh, just all that stuff, as we put it all together, we, said that we, just, we just get a sense that God is in the middle of this. Here's the thing. You will never reach your full potential without using the wisdom of other people. You will never reach your full potential without using the wisdom of other people. Our ability to hear God and make wise God-honoring decisions begins with our connection and submission to the author of life. So even before we can begin applying some of the things I've been talking about here this morning, it, what needs to happen first and foremost is that we have submitted our life to actually following him. So here's the thing I've learned. Most of us are okay with the idea of a relationship with God. Our challenge is fully embracing the need to be submitted to him. 
I like the idea God loves me and I'm his child and I'm good with that. But the idea that I need to submit to what he tells me, I'm okay here, but not so much here. And we can partition parts of our life off from God. That doesn't work. God wants all of us. He wants all of us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So if you're here this morning and you're wrestling with some big decisions, hopefully we've touched on a few things that might have been helpful. But first and foremost, you know, I've got to ask if your relationship with God is where it needs to be. Does there need to be a recommitment to the Lord's, to his lordship in your life? Does it need to happen for the first time? Where you've never fully submitted your life to him. And if not, that's your first step. Let's pray. Father, thank you for um, your word. And thank you for this opportunity to try and understand how you speak to your people, how you speak to those you love and care about, how we can hear your voice and how we can discern your voice from sometimes our own voice and how we need to be able to, to listen better. Father, my prayer is that each of us would become more proficient and comfortable hearing and distinguishing your voice from our own that we would then be able to act on that with courage and boldness, having confidence knowing that we've heard from you. Lord, may that process always cause, also cause us to engage others at a deeper level. Lord, may in, in true sense of community share life with one another, building each other up and strengthening one another. Lord, our desire is to follow you. Um, and I am confident, as we sang earlier, that you will not disappoint us. You will not forsake us. You will never let us down. And so with that in mind, Lord God, we can, we can submit ourselves to your purposes and to your plans for our lives. So Lord, that is our desire this day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.